Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 397. You know, a lot of different people go on cruises, and there's a lot of different things people do on cruises, and regardless if you're brand new or you've been there, done that, there are definitely some things that struck me as things that I think everybody should note in order to take full advantage of their cruise, and I want to talk about them up next. Cruisers come in many forms, from first-time cruisers to once-a-year cruisers to top-tier once-a-month just isn't enough for me cruisers. And there's really nothing wrong if you can't tell your port from starboard or don't recall the name of every single Royal Caribbean ship that ever existed. But I think based on your experience, or regardless of your experience, going on a cruise should be a fun, relaxing, and of course, enjoyable vacation. That, of course, delivers the wow that Royal Caribbean is so fond of talking about. And I wanted to share this week in this episode the a couple suggestions that I have for anyone that's going on a cruise that wants to enjoy their cruise at the fullest. I think anybody would probably say, yeah, of course. I mean, who doesn't want to enjoy their cruise at the fullest, right? I mean, after all, you pay a lot of money for this cruise. And I feel like the, uh, these recommendations I have, or suggestions, tips that I'm sharing in this week's episode are kind of aimed at helping everybody, regardless if you're brand new or been there, done that, to have a complete experience and not miss anything. Even as somebody, I've cruised... I don't know how many times now. I, I stopped keeping track of how many cruises I've been on. But even for me, I still make mistakes. It's something that even when you cruise a lot, you can still do make mistakes because after all, you're not constantly thinking about, okay, you know, how can I, you know, do this better than like that? You fall into patterns and and it's very easy to simply overlook something or just not be aware of it. And for me, what I try to do is be cognizant of what's happening and learn from my lessons. I think that's a really important tactic to for success in anything, and that is learning what worked, what didn't work, and then adjusting from that. So I kind of wanted to share some of these experiences that I've kind of come across as hopefully ways for everybody to have a better cruise going forward. And this is something that uh, I have to remind myself of quite often, and I'm going to start off with new doesn't always mean better. You know, Royal Caribbean's newest cruise ships are amazing. You see photos of them, videos of them. You, you, you'll obviously see a lot of marketing behind new cruise ships. You'll see people go on board, including myself, and share these photos of these amazing venues. And my goodness, it looks amazing. I mean, there's just so many things they're putting on cruise ships these days. And, you know, while they are absolutely fantastic, this is not like saying, oh, you should never go on a new cruise ship. Far from it. New ships do look amazing, but they're not the end-all be-all of what makes a good cruise ship. And you shouldn't force yourself to only book new ships or relegate yourself to only new ships. This is a very common pitfall, even among veteran cruisers who, you know, kind of go from new ship to new ship to new ship, new hotness to new hotness. You know, what's the latest? I do that a lot. I love new ships. But I also take a step back quite often and say, okay, you know what, Matt? There are still other ships in the fleet, and they're fantastic. Uh, I, you know, existing ships offer still a great experience on board, right? And more importantly, they're going to cost you a heck of a lot less. It is amazing when you start pricing around the Voyager class ships, the Radiance class ship, even the Freedom class ships these days. The prices of them are really competitive, and it really gets you to rub your chin a little bit and go, hmm, you know, I could go on that brand new Oasis or Quantum class ship, or I could save a lot of money and go on this other ship. And I, again, this is something I do all the time, and it's it's a good exercise when you're booking a cruise. Yeah, you look at the brand new ship. There's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with going on the brand new and amazing ship, but don't overlook the existing ships in the fleet. 
As we all know, of course, you know, cruising is more than just how many thrill attractions you squeeze into one sailing. Royal Caribbean has always done a good job of mixing innovation with classics, and you're not going to be bored on older ships. The key is to figure out what you're looking for in a cruise and what features you must have on board, and then choose the right vessel for your vacation. Looking for only the newest ship will not necessarily guarantee anything but a higher price tag, so definitely something to keep in mind of. Number two on my list is how much time a good travel agent can save. I think it was last week's podcast episode. We had that great email that came in about, you know, the emphasizing the word good in good travel agent, but it still stands to reason. This is still something I, I obviously write about Royal Caribbean all the time, every day here. It's kind of my job. And in the comments, inevitably, you'll see on social media, somebody will come in and say, when I talk about travel agents, there's always a comment or two by somebody who says, I don't need to use a travel agent. I've never used a travel agent. Why should I use a travel agent? I can say, I can do it all myself. I can manage it on my own. I'm in control. I have to go through somebody else. There's no middleman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think travel agents are the best asset you can take advantage of that costs you really nothing extra to use. You only stand to benefit from it. It's like, imagine like there was a free drink package and somebody was like, I don't want to get the drink package because you know, I want to get my drinks myself or something. It, it, I mean, it's not quite apples to apples. I get that, but that's kind of the correlation here. First and foremost, not all travel agents are the same. That's a very important distinction. And listen, I love travel agents. I always tell people to book with a travel agent, but they're not all the same. I think travel agents will tell you the same thing about that, that there is a distinction between a travel agent and a good travel agent. After someone realizes travel agents still exist, the next thing they will want to know is why they can't just book a cruise directly with a cruise line. Using a good travel agent is more than just putting your credit card down for a booking. If it was just that, yeah, no one would need to use them. But using a travel agent is about having an advocate along the way throughout the process from when you're trying to figure out the best sailing and stateroom option to finding the lowest price to being available when changes or a problem occur and then even beyond, even during the cruise and after the cruise. Anyone that's new to cruising will find travel agents very helpful in answering questions and figuring out the best choices. Veteran cruisers, you know, will also save so much time with a good travel agent because it helps them out when issues occur. In today's world of, you know, shutdowns and COVID and all this, I can't explain in words how important a good travel agent is. It is it has saved me so much time. And time, in my opinion, is just as important as money in a lot of ways. So the bottom line is finding and using a good travel agent will free you up to do other things and should cost you absolutely nothing extra. While we're on the topic of things I'm pontificating about, I think people should do is get a passport. I still can't believe in 2021 when we still have this debate, but if you're an American and you're going to be going on a cruise at any point, get a passport. Yes, a passport will cost you money and it takes a little bit of time to fill out the application, get a photo, get it processed. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, having a passport makes cruising so much easier and reliable. Having a passport means the cruise check-in and disembarkation process is significantly easier, and it'll speed up both processes, by the way. Moreover, if you were ever to get stuck outside of the country, having a passport means it's as simple as buying a plane ticket and going home right then and there without being stranded. If you don't have a passport you're stuck in that country. You've got to go to the U.S. Embassy, wherever that is, get your visa. It's it's a process. So do yourself a favor, get a passport to ensure a smooth process. Yes, you can cruise without a passport in the U.S. as an American citizen on closed loop sailings that you know start in the U.S., come back to the U.S. Trust me when I tell you, you don't want to go down that path. As Whether it's your first or 10th cruise, get yourself a passport. That's a really important thing. The next thing I got on my list here is if you got a problem, Make sure you speak up about it. This is a really common mistake that 
I again, I see this usually posted on the Royal Caribbean blog message board. Somebody comes back from a cruise when that was still a thing, and they would come back and say, "We had a great time on the cruise, but we ran into this problem, and you know, this happened, this happened, and inevitably." They just never said anything about it. They just kind of were like, well, this is the way it is. They came back and now they're trying to figure out how to get a refund or something like that or, you know, compensation. It's like, dude, you missed your opportunity. If there's a problem on the cruise, big or small, you should bring it up to the crew members on board the ship right then and there. Whether we're talking about, you know, a malfunction in the cabin, accident on board, disagreement with a crew member, anything else that stops you in your tracks, problems should be addressed on board, not after the cruise. A lot of people, I think, make the mistake of thinking, you know what, let's just get past this. When we get home, I'll call Royal Caribbean and tell them, hey, you know, the uh, the, the air conditioning was broken in our room or the bathroom didn't flush right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we'll, we'll tell them about it afterwards. The short version was no good. We'll get my money back later. And this might make sense in land stuff. You know, if you go to, to some extent, I guess if you go to certain theme parks or resorts, you can kind of call back later after the fact and complain. But I, I'm telling you this right now, it is way better to get it taken care of on the ship. Number one, in the grand scheme of Royal Caribbean cruises, there's a major divide between shoreside, which is the people that work at headquarters in Royal Caribbean in Miami, and on board the ship, shipside, uh, people that work on the ship. And it, if you were looking for a resolution, whatever it is, uh, you know, basically fix the problem and not suffer through it, you want to take advantage of the people that are on the ship. They're the ones who are best equipped to handle this. And this, I remember I was on uh, Rhapsody of the Seas, and we had a great suite on that on that cruise, and inevitably there was a leak. The the I thought the kids had messed something up, but truth be told, it wasn't their fault for once. As a dad, you always blame your kids first. But uh, there was a leak. There was a water leak in our room, and the carpet was getting like all soggy, and it ended up being actually coming from the uh, bathroom area. So I don't have to go into too many details about what kind of water comes out of there. Anyway, not good, right? But I, you know, I I talked to the staff on board, and I explained the situation there. They had various crew members up there try to repair it fix it and do all the stuff but the bottom line is i took care of it on board the ship you know we didn't obviously sit with a soggy room but we also didn't let it didn't let it just leave it alone we made sure that they were taking care of it on board the ship and lo and behold we ended up getting some extra onboard credit for a future cruise as a result of the inconvenience but all that happened on board the ship so it's a really important thing and i get it no one really wants to be a bother when it comes to you know anything on vacation, you don't want to be that person, right? You don't want to be that person who's like pushing your glass up and you're, excuse me, you know, I, you know, and you, you, the staff is rolling your eyes. I mean, listen, it's your vacation. You are equally entitled to a, a reasonable experience as anybody else. And, you know, problems should be identified so they can be fixed. And the crew members will definitely be the ones to be the first to say, hey, you know, we want you to make sure you're happy. If there's an issue, let us know about it, especially if it's a mechanical problem or something like that. Uh, another classic example was we were on Oasis of the Seas. This happens, I think, most often. We were in Oasis of the Seas. We were in the main dining room. We had a great waiter. And the first couple nights, no problem at all. And then, like, night, I don't remember what it was, night three or four, something like that, all of a sudden, the service became ridiculously slow. Like, you know, it, it we, we had kind of this baseline set up. And we could tell that this wasn't because the waiter was... Um, you know, derelict in his duties or anything like that. He just wasn't around. He was he was busy going from table. He, clearly, he had more tables than he had before, and we quickly picked up on it. And my wife and I were kind of looking around, kind of you know observing. We obviously been around the cruises enough to know kind of what's going on there. And clearly, he had extra tables, and we we basically figured out that he got extra tables that particular night. And then we figured out that they're probably my time dining people, people who came down from the other deck. They had overflow, and they got assigned there. 
The result was the service was extremely slow. So what I did was I spoke to, I asked to speak to the head waiter and I told the head waiter, I said, listen, this isn't the waiter's problem. I can see he's got more tables. Is that right? And he goes, yeah, he's got extra tables here. Whatever the reason is, is okay. Uh, you can't do that. You can't, you can't sacrifice our, it's not just me. It's other people in our rotation, right? With the same waiter. You can't do that because this is, the, I'm not talking about like 10 minutes here. I mean, it ended up taking like another hour for this entire meal and things that, you know, were moving very well, all of a sudden are now bad across the board. So speaking up is an important thing to do. Be, obviously be, be polite about it. This isn't like, you know, <clears throat> you don't want to make a scene about it. I don't, it rarely ever deserves that kind of attention. It's more about, you know, politely saying and explaining the problem and it's like, how can we make this better? Right. And you know what? After that night, we didn't have any other problems with the, with the dining room uh, in terms of the service. It was back to normal after that. So, you know, speaking up is a big deal. Also, building discrepancies, um, you know, speak to guest services about this. Something's not working properly. Talk to your state attendant. That That's a really important uh, piece of advice. Another piece of advice that I think is super important and something that it, it for a long time, it was hard to kind of convey what it what it means. But I think a lot of these tips actually I'm sharing in today's podcast is really all about this. Be explicit flexible as possible during your cruise. Now, listen, I just talked about, you know, speaking up and letting them know there's a problem, but sometimes there are some things that are out of your control, anybody's control and bad luck or just bad weather or whatever. You got to kind of, at some point, just kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, it is what it is. And you just got to let it go because getting frustrated or having a meltdown in front of your family and strangers, you know, it happens to everybody. I've done it before. It's not fun. We're all humans. We all have our tipping points. So occasionally something occurs that triggers somebody, and that just leads to a few minutes we regret later on. Boy, have I got a couple of those. So one of the best pieces of cruise advice I can share is try to be as flexible as possible. You can't control everything that occurs, and sometimes you're just going to run into bad luck, right? The shore excursion wasn't to your liking, not because it was bad or, you know, you just it wasn't what you expected. It rained on the day that you were in this particular island. Uh, the line is long because people want to go on the same, you know, uh, water slide as you. I don't know. Things that, you know, somebody cuts the line in the, in the buffet. Is this a, you know, are these capital cases that deserve, you know, the captain to come down here and, and divvy it out like King Solomon? Or is this just like, whatever, people are going to be people. Let's just, you know, well, let's go to the bar, and have another drink and forget about it. You know, I think there is value in remembering to be as flexible as you can. So I think the key is not letting an incident ruin the rest of your day or your cruise. We all experience frustration, but try to remember, you know, that remember that classic mantra. Don't worry. Be happy. It's a great song, too. And I, and I think that's definitely not a bad thing to keep in mind. Um, next up, I've got um, always book refundable cruise fare. This is something that I I think I've always done this in the past, even on Royal Green Block group cruises. I was famous for booking refundable cruise fare for group cruises in which I really have no choice but to go on them, right? Um, but in 2020 and 2021, I think if you're not booking refundable cruise fare, you're crazy. I mean, I know there's suites, so let's take suites out of the equation for a second. But if you have the choice, a refundable or non-refundable cruise fare, book refundable cruise fare. Yes, right now, today, you might be thinking, Matt, don't worry about it, dude. We're, we're going on this cruise. I'm not worried about it. I understand everything you're saying. It'll be fine. But something can change. And the classic example is a change that you're not expecting. Maybe the itinerary changes. Maybe the ship, they swap out ships. That's happened before as well. You never know. But all too often, I get an email, a, a, a tweet, a Facebook private message. Hey, man, I booked this cruise and uh, booked it a while ago, a long time ago. 
But for whatever reason, I wanted to cancel it now. Inevitably, I said, well, you're way past, you're way before final payment. I mean, you know, cruises aren't restarting until who knows when. I mean, you got plenty of time, dude. You, your Thanksgiving cruise, cancel it now if you don't want to go on it, right? And inevitably, they always say, oh, I have non-refundable cruise fare. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Get refundable cruise fare. It's going to cost you a little bit more. Not a lot more, a little bit more. It's worth it. Go for it. Now, this next one I want to talk about, and this is the last one I've got on my list, and this is a big one because I think this is, some of these we've been talking, I think I'll apply more towards newer cruisers, but this is one that's going right out there to all the people like me, people that have cruised a lot, and that is change is not a bad thing. In general, you know, we humans don't like change because it disrupts what we are accustomed to, but change in the cruise industry is inevitable, and quite frankly, we should embrace it. Royal Caribbean has been evolving for, you know, many years. I mean, the, the company's been in existence now for more than 50 years. And whether it was introducing the first mega ship, adding a rock wall to the to a cruise ship, uh, building the large ships in the world, or <laughs> more recently, changing the size of the ship name on the side of the vessel, change always bothers some people in the beginning, but we get used to it. And listen, I'm not, obviously, uh, the Odyssey name changes doesn't bother me, it bothers a lot of other people. Um, but there's been plenty of examples where I'm like, really? And then you just kind of like, okay, you know, listen, I love Sabor, right? Sabor Modern Mexican, one of my favorite specialty restaurants. It's on its way out. It's going to the way of the dodo. Royal Caribbean's getting rid of it. I don't love that, but I'm also not, you know, yelling. Well, maybe I was yelling a little bit, but I, <laughs> I've said, okay, you know what? It is what it is. I'll find other great things to eat on the ship as well. And as cruise fans, you know, we began cruising because of how cruises were and the changes that have come since are really attempts to build upon and improve the experience. Don't, don't forget, one person's wow is another person's why did they change it, right? And, you know, change is a constant. And this is not true just of cruising, but in life in general. So, you know, when it comes to what Royal Caribbean is doing today, tomorrow, next year, next decade, it's going to change. There's always going to be a change. It's not, Royal Caribbean is not going to continue to pump out freedom class ships for, for the, until the end of time. It would be nice for them to do that, but they're not going to do that. They're going to evolve. They're going to change. They're going to adapt. They're going to add. And number one, if you embrace change, if you say, you know what, whatever the, ch- I, in, in Royal Caribbean, I trust, let's just see what happens and how it works out. Number one, it's to be a lot more enjoyable experience rather than trying to kick your feet, you know, screaming along the way. Why, you know, why are they doing this? Now, listen, don't get me wrong. This is not for me to tell you we should never question what Royal Caribbean is doing. They make mistakes. Trust me. But what I'm trying to tell you is just, you know, uh, holistically, change is a good thing. Embrace the change. Most of the time, they get it right. Most of the time, it's for the best. Great example, Coco Key, right? The transition from Coco Key to Perfect Day, Coco Key, absolutely amazing, phenomenal. I, I don't think I would have believed even at the time. When I was sitting there at the press conference in New York, when they announced it, I had no idea the scope of what they were proposing. I mean, yeah, I can see the, the pictures, and the, the concept art, but I mean... It really didn't resonate. I don't think I was properly prepared for that level of change. And now, having seen it, obviously, my goodness, it's it's incredible. So I think embracing change is the right approach there. And obviously, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong with saying, hmm, you know what? This was a good idea, but it's really not working out the way I think the way anybody anticipated. Here's the problem with this one. Sure, absolutely. That's the right thing to do there. But in general, it's not going to be the same. Things are going to change. Embrace it. It's for It's for the best out there. So... I hope you found this uh, episode a little helpful, and I hope that uh, got you thinking a little bit about some of the things, again, I wish that everybody kind of keeps in mind when they go on a cruise. So let me know. Uh, send me an email if you have any other suggestions, You think, things that you think everybody should kind of 
think about or or embrace when it comes to going on a cruise because you know there's definitely some ways we can all have a better experience overall and uh certainly you know these kind of uh i don't call them rules that's a little stringent but you know what i mean with suggestions uh protocols things that things you should be doing good schools of thought are always appreciated all righty time to answer your listener emails this is the part of the episode where i dive into the Royal Caribbean blog, podcast, email, inbox, and answer as many questions as I can about a cruise. So if you have a question about you'd like me to answer, be sure to email it, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today is from Sarah Rustine, who writes, Hi, Matt. First off, a big thank you for all that you do for the cruise community, especially during COVID times. You play such an important role in keeping our spirits up. The cruise stories have been a great time pass for me that allowed me to remember the good old days of 2019. I was just listening to an episode where someone was talking about how they like to get dressed up and miss that from the 1980s. I was also looking through my parents' pictures from back in the day and saw ones from a cruise in 1990 where there were all these sculptures that looked like they were made of butter. I asked my mom and she said she thought they were tallow. And I look up what tallow is. I have no idea what that means. And evidently tallow is uh, a hard fatty substance made from rendered animal fat used in making candles and soap. Uh, crazy the things that used to be different. I was thinking it would be cool to listen to an episode all about the differences between cruising in the 1970s and 80s versus today. Maybe there are some longtime cruisers out there who'd like to weigh in. On a side note, maybe you're already covering this, but I do have a question. I was just cruising. I was just watching Cruising with Ben and David today on YouTube, and they were saying that Royal Caribbean will require a negative COVID test within 72 hours of your cruise. I was trying to look on the website, but couldn't find much about it. I'm curious if you heard anything about this. They say this will apply even if you've been vaccinated. Also, what if you get test results but don't come back quick enough? Very interested for any additional information as I'm booked on a cruise in early September. God willing. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the information, never all that you do. Sarah, great email. Um, I love the podcast idea. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I love looking back at that kind of stuff, especially for me. I did not cruise in the 70s and 80s. I started cruising in the late 90s. And it's incredible to think about how much has changed. I mean, they used to allow you to go skeet shooting on the back of a cruise ship. That is correct, ladies and gentlemen. They would give guests shotguns, go on the back of the ship, and start shooting things that they're throwing in the ocean as you're trying to shoot them. I mean, today, that is like, it's Looney Tunes, right? Back then, you wouldn't even thought twice about it. So yeah, cruising has changed quite a bit. And the 70s and 80s are nothing compared to, if you go back even beyond that, I mean, geez, the ocean liner days. I mean, it's crazy how much cruising has changed. And again, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier in this episode about, you know, how change is a good thing and things evolve and... My goodness. So the uh, the issue with the testing and all of that, I'm not sure exactly what they were referring to in their video, but let me let me be as clear as I can. Number one, Royal Caribbean has not officially announced any protocols for their cruises outside of Singapore. The uh, new protocols for cruises out of Israel on Quant on Odyssey of the Seas are going to be coming. But again, those protocols apply to Singapore and Israel respectively. Um, Royal Caribbean has not announced any like here's our protocols for cruises going forward in. Um, you know, here in North America, or even in Europe for that matter, outside of Israel, of course. The, um, I, I, I suspect perhaps, as I see when you sent me this email, perhaps it's related to the blog post I wrote about the cruise contract being updated. Um, Royal Caribbean updated its cruise contract, which by the way, is the cruise contract is what you would, you agree to when you book a cruise. When you put a deposit down, there's a whole set of terms and conditions that you probably don't even read because nobody reads terms and conditions. In there, there's some things in there and basically Royal Caribbean changed a number of those in the cruise contract, especially related to COVID. And they did spell out about a half a dozen or so things that kind of relate to that. Here's what I would tell you, Sarah. Number one, I wouldn't 
necessarily worry about it right now. You asked a lot of great questions. We don't have answers to them. So there's no answers to your questions right now. Let's wait for Royal Caribbean to give us a firm restart plan in which we will then get answers to those kinds of scenarios about testing. What happens if this, what happens if that? We've seen this in Singapore already. So I suspect this will be, you know, we'll get something similar here for the US, but it's still too early, Sarah, to know answers to your questions. And, you know, again, one of the things they say in the cruise contract, by the way, is these can be changed at any time. So you shouldn't assume it's written in stone or, or a definite. Do I think there's going to be testing involved? Yes, Royal Caribbean's already said so, but we don't know yet all the the flow chart of decisions and, and how that all works. So still waiting to get more information on that. Next up, we have an email from Stephanie who writes, my husband and I are planning our next cruise. We're booked on Anthem of the Seas in January of 2022. It's a love nighter out in New Jersey. I know you can't predict the future and it's past the order expiration for no sailings past seven nights, but I feel like it's out of New Jersey and not Florida. It could be a double whammy for a no-go on that sailing. So my questions are, in your opinion, do you think because of the length and departure port, it makes it more probable for that sailing not to go through? If the above is yes, you think that would be worth looking into the sailings leaving from Florida to replace the one we currently have booked? Ideally, we'd like more than seven nights regardless of where we're leaving from. We live in Pennsylvania and love the closed ports and not having to fly uh, in possible snow to get to the cruise, but I'm considering just to get us on a ship. And one more, if we were able to get an anthem of the seas, what are some of the super exciting can't miss must do things on board? I've been on a few cruises. This is my only, my husband's second cruise and first the Royal Caribbean. So I'm hoping to get him hooked shamelessly so I can continue cruising since it's my favorite type of vacation. Love listening to the podcast and daydreaming. I've been getting back on board the high seas. Thanks for everything. Stephanie, thank you for the email and the question. You know, it's it's a great question, obviously. So much is changing. It's, it's, it is impossible, as you already said, it's impossible to answer. But the way things are going right now, Stephanie, there's a lot of optimism out there in terms of not only cruises resuming in uh, this year from Florida, but really all around. I mean, cases are going down. The vaccine's working really well. This is what we're looking for. And now, listen, I I, <laughs> I, I know enough to know that um, I, I, I'm not making any bold predictions about what you should or shouldn't do. It's too early to know. I have no idea what the chances of your cruise going. Um, he, here's what I would tell you. I, I think I would hold on to your reservation until a little bit later. I mean, basically, until you get to final payment date, your cruise is in early January. So that means your final payment date is in uh, October, November, something like that. So you've got time to decide. And I wouldn't worry. Once you get to your final payment date, just about there, Stephanie, you'll have a pretty good idea what to expect in terms of, you know, chances. Because within three months, it's a lot easier to make a prediction for the future than if we're talking about 10 months from now. And a lot is going to change. I, I really believe, and I'm also hope that, you know, by the time we get to, let's, let's, let's fast forward to through the summer. Let's get to Labor Day weekend, 2021. I think it's going to be vastly different. Life is going to be vastly different and improved compared to where we are today. I certainly hope it's the case, right? But I don't know what I don't know. So my advice is wait until at least you're closer to final payment date and then make a decision on what to do. Um, you know, unless there's another itinerary out there that you're like, wow, Matt, I, I, I would really kick myself if I didn't get on this one. Double book it. That's also another option you can do. Double booking is, there's actually a good thread about this on the Royal Caribbean Blog message boards that people do this. They'll book two cruises that they clearly conflicting with each other. And then they'll wait for final payment date to make a decision on one or the other, which one they're going to go on. So it's another option. I mean, obviously you're laying out more money, which is not for everybody, but another possibility out there as well. So that way you're not compromising until you literally have no other choice and you had to pick one or the other. That might be something to, to think about. Now, in terms of must do things on Anthem, I think North Star is a must do. Even if you got fear of heights, it's really not that bad at all. Love that's the observational pod on there. Uh, you've got to see the shows on board. I love 270. See the shows in there. Spent a lot of time in 270. It is absolutely fantastic. And the dining on board, 70. 
this might be a good cruise to take advantage of a dining package, especially for your husband. He might like that as well. You know, Wonderland, Chops, Zoomy, they're, they're fantastic. I love it. I think it's a good cruise ship for that option. So thank you for the email. And uh, we got time for one more email today. And that is coming to us from Daniel Stober from Harriman, Utah. Right, hey, Matt, in regards to Rachel's question on episode 392 about transferring her future cruise credits to a different person because her sons are getting too old, it seems to me there's another option. It's sneaky, but I think it would work. Just leave the credit in their names and then book a cruise in their names. Then later on, before a final payment, call Royal Caribbean and change the name of the passenger. As far as I know, you can change the name of any passenger except the lead passenger on the booking. I've never seen a stipulation that cannot be done if the booking was made with an FCC. What do you think? Keep the good work. You know, um, I know you're right. So Daniel's right in at least one part of that, that you can, uh, as long as one person on the reservation remains the same, you can change the other names at will. No problem. Um, the FCCs, though, I believe I, I could be wrong on this, Dan, but I think somebody brought this up a while ago. And basically, if person A has an FCC associated with them, you take person A off and put person B, the FCC that's assigned to goes with them because the FCCs are tied to the person. Now, if you're talking about purely about the deposit, I'm not so sure. The other thing to keep in mind, by the way, and I'm not even sure, I don't remember Rachel's question, 392, but Royal Caribbean has changed their FCC policies now where um, you can now combine and share FCCs. So if, and again, I don't remember Rachel's original question, Dan, so this is, I might be giving an answer to a problem that didn't exist, but you know, if it's, if it's you your spouse and your kids, and you're not sure any of them are going to go on the cruise or whatnot, um, but they have FCCs to use, you know, you can add them on the reservation. You can use their FCCs and there's leftover FCC from one person. You can share it to the other person on the reservation. That's an option as well. But um, I, I could be wrong, but I think I'm pretty sure that when you take a person off the reservation, use name swap, their FCC goes with them off the reservation because they're tied to that. Um, again, that's my recollection. I could be wrong on that, but it's an interesting idea, and if I were going to do that, I would do that immediately, not wait six months and then figure it out. But, hey, it's an interesting idea. Thanks, Dan, for the email. Thanks to everybody for sending in your emails. Uh, I would love to read more of them. Be sure to send me your emails by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCoreanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCoreanBlog.com. Maybe I can learn more things like what is tallow. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>